Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So a little bit about this song. As I always like to start with a song. What does a song resonate? Like, why is it resonating with me at such a heart level this week? Because like I say, it has been very much a part of my everyday experience. This song has been very much on my mind. It's written by my uh, friend, Reverend Karen Mitchell. Uh, she and I were part of the same spiritual community for a long time, and uh, we, share our sa- we share the same mentor in ministry, and she has always been a magnificent New Thought musician who's been you know, uh, uh, putting out the great words of understanding that there is only one power, there is only one presence, there is only one infinite source, and when we come to deeply understand that that is who and what we are, then that is the starting point. Ah, see, this is the thing. That's the starting point for setting things aright in our experience of life. Because it's very easy to step into this idea, this notion, you know, as she writes in the song, when things go wrong and my way seems dark. Now, she, she, she may take uh, issue with the fact that I changed her lyric a little bit, because her actual lyric is, and my way is dark. But I believe, I am, I am of the belief that our way, our path, can never be dark. It can only seem dark, but it is always illuminated if we allow ourselves to recognize the illumination. And so to have it not be illuminate, illuminated or illuminated, I don't know what that word is, to have it not be illuminated is simply a construct of the mind and it is in seeming dark that we can be led astray. And I love that next line. When I lose my song and life breaks my heart, how many of us have ever felt like we've lost our song or life is breaking our heart? Oh, <laughs> Certainly no one ever has ever felt that way, right? (laughs) I lost my song. At least I felt like I lost my song a little bit this week. My heart was broken a little bit this week, and I've spent a lot of time going within and allowing myself to reflect on the experience of the world that has been unfolding as me and all around me. And that's one thing I always say is, you know, if, if, we, if we teach, and this is what we teach, if we teach that the entire experience, all circumstances, everything that exists is a reflection of what is happening in our minds, the way we know what is happening in our minds is to look at the world all around us to see what is happening in our world because that's simply the construct and the flow of that which is within. And so this week... I spent a lot of time going within because, like I said, my heart was a little bit broken this week and I had to really step back and say, what's really going on here? And that is all basically an introduction to allow us to step into what I would like to talk about first, which is fear. Now, nobody ever wants to hear about fear. Nobody ever wants to acknowledge that fear exists, you know. But fear, fear can be a part of our paradigm if we allow it. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the acronyms, right? The, perhaps the most famous acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. 
one that I really love, forget everything and run. How many of us have lived that experience of fear? Forget everything and run. Another one that I really love, a frantic effort to avoid reality. (laughs) But my favorite, here's my favorite acronym for fear, because I'm going to admit, I have had my experience of settling into the, into allowing fear to wash over me. So here's what I know about fear. It is an opportunity for me to face everything and rise. That's the acronym that I choose around fear today, to face everything and rise. We love, now here's the thing, we love to use those acronyms because they allow us to feel in control, especially those ones, false evidence appearing real, right? They allow us to feel in control when we sense that we may have been out of control. But here's the thing about control. We were never not in control. We were never not in control of our experience. We are always in 100% control. And the reason I know this is because if we stick to the premise that all experience, all circumstance is a construct of the mind, we each and every one of us have control over our use of mind. And that is what we teach. And that is what we practice, spiritual practice, settling into the practices of meditation, affirmation, prayer, visioning, whatever spiritual practices you engage in, it is all to remind ourselves, all of it, that we have control over the experience and expression of our lives. Now that may seem antithetical to the world we're living in right now, which is a world that is racked with fear. But I'm in control. I know my mind. I know who I am. God is right here where I am. Right here. And it is a daily spiritual practice to keep myself in that place of remembering. You know, I, take, I do not take lightly the tenets of my vision of ministry to love everything, to love only, forgive everything, and remember who you are. Because that's what it all boils down to, remembering who we are. And remembering that in who we are, we can face any experience of life with the knowledge that we are in control. We are absolutely in control of our reaction and response to it. And I've had some people reach out this week. And this is where life breaks my heart a little bit. I've had, I've, I had a couple people reach out this week to express their disappointment in my approach to being a spiritual leader in relationship to the events of the world. It's hard for a minister to hear that. It's hard for, you know, let's face it. Ministers, we get, we get critiqued. Now, here's the thing. Am I going to listen to the majority who are all saying, We love what you have to offer. We love the love that you're sharing. We love how you're approaching and protecting and caring for this community. Or am I going to listen to the minority voice, which is saying, we're disappointed and we feel that you are peddling fear? Because I've gotten that this week. And it is a reflection of the fact that while, and, and, I want, and I want to be very clear, yes, I understand that there are other churches, there are other spiritual centers that have made the decision to open their doors and welcome people into their sanctuaries. 
It is not out of fear that I have made the choice not to do that yet. It is out of love because for me, I know who I am. I know who everybody is. And as you walk through these doors, when we can walk through these doors, I am going to make absolute, I'm going to be absolutely certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is a safe and secure environment to come and be part of community. And I don't think we're there yet. That is not a fear-based response. That is not a fear-based response. That is my approach to being the most loving minister I can be. To say, I care about this community so much that I am going to resist what I would like to have happen, which is to bring, this, bring people into this room and have it be filled. I would absolutely love that. And so people have reached out and said, we think you're peddling fear. Now here's the biggest challenge around that. If that is something that is being reflected to me, that is something I must look at because that is part of what's happening in my own mind. God is speaking no matter who is talking. And so I can't just outright say, you're not right. You're not right. No, if it is being reflected back to me, there is truth in what is being reflected back to me, and that truth exists in my mind. So I've been giving a lot of thought to this idea of fear, of what it is and what it isn't. And I want to be very, very clear. Because I may not have been very, very clear. If you are in the energy of fear, you are more susceptible to the experience of physical disease. If you are in the energy of fear, you are more susceptible to the experience of physical dis-ease because the emotion of fear, it is a dis-ease of the mind and you are in charge of your mind. I am in charge of my mind. I am not susceptible to physical dis-ease at all because I know who I am. I am the infinite power and presence of the divine energy that decided to show up and express itself as me, as are every one of you. Each and every one of us is this magnificent presence. Now, what I do know about the emotion of fear is that it is an inner construct, and ultimately, what I have come to realize is it is a decision. It is a decision. We decide to live in fear or accept things as fear-based. It doesn't matter if you are aware of this, this decision, whether it's a, at the level of awareness or below the level of awareness. If we are in fear, we have decided to live in fear. So what decision are we going to step into today? Some of the decisions I've made, you know, perhaps they've been perceived to be fear-based. But I reject that because I'm not in fear when I make those decisions. Fear, the dictionary definition of fear, is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. So if fear is an emotion caused by the belief that something can harm you, where do you live in mind today? Where do you choose to live in mind today? Do you choose to live within the construct of that belief? Because every belief, every belief we have is rooted in an already established premise. 
Every belief we have is rooted in an already established premise. And those beliefs are playing themselves out in our life, whether at the level of awareness or below the level of awareness. And I love to always remind people that our thoughts create our experience. We have about 10% of those thoughts at the level of awareness and 90% of those thoughts below the level of awareness, but 100% of those thoughts are creating our experience. So our work in spiritual practice is to say, I recognize and know that there are a bunch of thoughts that are rooted in as already established premises that are expressing themselves through belief to come up to the surface and become the construct of my life. But as I become aware of them and as I see them, whether I was aware or not before of the thought that created that experience, I know now and I can do better. So the already established premise, we all have AEPs, already established premises, we all have AEPs. That is what we call a spiritual prototype. The idea in mind, that spiritual idea that is flowing forth into creation and becomes a construct for our experience. Now, the challenge for me has been this week that there has been an incongruence between my AEP and the AEP of some other people, and the result is conflict. That's what I experienced this week. That was life breaking my heart. But God is right here where I am. I do not need to live within the conflict. What is mine to do is to step into the understanding of why this shows up for me and knowing that I am the one who can do something about it. I spent a lot of time within my heart this week. I mean, the truth is, I feel like I spend a lot of time within my heart every day as part of my life. That's what I've committed my life to do and be as a minister. I ask myself, what is the approach I take to live when the circumstances of life seemingly equate to challenge? How many of us are feeling challenged by, right now by the things that are happening all around us? The challenge dissipates when we know who we are, we act accordingly, and who we are is love. What is the approach I take to live when the circumstances of life equate to challenge? As I ask myself that question in this moment, I think it's a question that we should all ask of ourselves. What is the approach we take to live when the circumstances of life equate to challenge? One response that some people take, I'm not saying this is your response, I'm not saying this is my response, although in various paradigms, this may have been my response and this may have been your response to challenges. And I'm, not, and I'm talking in the more generalized sense of we have challenges that show up in our life, challenges being the reflection of something that is within. And one response that can happen that we may take is a response of denial. In denial, we are ignoring the circumstances which are the construct of form that followed what happened in mind. And this shows up in spiritual centers as spiritual bypass. 
I, I, I imagine, I mean, I've talked about spiritual bypass before. I imagine that you, I trust you know what spiritual bypass is. Spiritual bypass, it's a term that was coined by John Wellwood. He was a prominent psychologist, and he was known for integrating psychological and spiritual concepts. And spiritual bypass is when we are in denial. Now, new thought you know, John Wellwood, uh, integrating psychological and spiritual concepts, uh, you know, we should turn and look at and see the work that he did in this world because new thought essentially is spiritual psychology. I see that term, spiritual bypass, though, used in spiritual circles, in churches, in spiritual centers, in communities. I see it weaponized. And that's the thing I want to warn each and every one of us against today. That if we find ourselves saying that somebody else is living in spiritual bypass, that is not for us to determine. That is not for us to decide. If we are pointing the finger at somebody, all that does is create separation. And when we create separation, we open ourselves to the experience of conflict. It does not matter what I think of you. It does not matter what you think of me. Here's the, here's the magnificent benefit of understanding the concept of spiritual bypass. It is better utilized as an activity of self-reflection. To really step back and say, I see what's happening in my world. Am I living in spiritual bypass? It has nothing to do with anybody out there. It has only that to do with me and myself and the experience of life that I am living. Do you have the tenacity and the willingness to step into that idea? Rather than to say others are bypassing, can we analyze ourselves critically to ask ourselves if we are bypassing? That's the power of the concept of spiritual bypass. And if what you find in spiritual bypass is the denial of circumstances, can you admit, can we admit to ourselves, can I admit to myself that if I am engaged in that thinking, a denial of the circumstances, that there is something else to be known? Let us not concern ourselves with others. Let us take it to that space of that which is right here within the core of each and every one of us. The work of spirituality is our work. And it is not subject to the ideas or the, the perceptions or the criticisms of anybody else. Spiritual bypass is not doing the work, but convincing ourselves that we are doing the work. That's what, that's what spiritual bypass really is. And so, I can separate myself from that emotional reaction I can look at the world critically. I can say, I see the circumstances of the world that we are living in right here and right now. The circumstances of the world that we are living in right here and right now are a pandemic experience. But here's the thing. Does that instill fear in you? That's just information. It's just information. Mere information does not equate to fear unless that is your chosen response. It does not equate to fear within me because I have chosen not to be in fear of the experience of the world right now. 
And like I said, we can choose those experiences at the level of awareness or below the level of awareness. If it's below the level of awareness, it is a conditioning of the already established premise, that spiritual prototype that is showing up. But as it shows up, notice it, see it, take action. The power of this teaching, the power of the new thought principles, the power of the unity teaching or the religious science teaching or the divine science teaching or whatever path you follow, the power of the teaching ultimately is self-reflection. And in self-reflection, we, I teach that we must have a willingness to do the work to change the experience of our life. Because when we do the work, we live the results. Part of the work is to acknowledge the experiences and circumstances of the world we are living in with the knowledge that we can do something about them. And that is why I am so attracted to this particular philosophy, because it is practical. Practical spirituality is what is most important to me. If I cannot put it into practice to change my life for the better, then I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to live some pie-in-the-sky idea of spiritual understanding. I have to be able to activate it in the practice of my experience of life. That is absolutely taking charge, not moving into spiritual bypass by just saying, oh, it's all good, it's all God. That is an infinite truth, absolutely. But if we are not living from that construct, then we are bypassing. So how do we embody the notion that it is all God and that it is all good and that it is all love and allow life to flow forth from that point of view? Let that become our already established premise and trust and know that everything that shows up is in accordance with that. Here's what, here, it, it, there is an authority upon which that idea hinges and it is this, God is right here where we are. God is in the experience of the pandemic. We cannot separate God from the pandemic because if we separate God from the pandemic, we say that there is something other than. God is in the numbers and the statistics. God is in our reaction and response. God is in the fear, both false evidence appearing real and facing everything and rising. We are spiritual beings living in a spiritual universe governed by our use of a spiritual law of cause and effect. In what way are you choosing to use that law today? In facing everything and rising, we must make choices and not take personally any disagreements people may have with the choices we make. It can all, <laughs> it can all be a tall order to do this. I'm not saying this is easy, but it is in our capacity to do this. You know how I know that? Because I can construct the idea that that potential exists in my mind. And so if the potential exists in my mind, the potential for its experience in the world exists. So I have made choices for this community that have, met, that have been met with resistance, with expressions of disappointment, and I have been told so straight to my face. <laughs> you ready for this though? So did Jesus. Jesus made choices that were not well met. If Jesus was a way shower, a model for spiritual living, then I choose 
to model my approach and my understanding in accordance with that. And not just Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Abraham, whichever magnificent spiritual mystic lit that existed, all of them are way showers. They are all models for spiritual living. I live in faith that my choices are in service to the common good. And I say the common good because here's the other thing about living in spiritual bypass. If I live in spiritual bypass, I think it's actually a selfish activity because all I'm concerned with is my life, my approach, my experience. I choose to live in common unity. I choose to live in community and to trust and know that we can all care for each other. What I can tell you is that these choices, these choices I have made are the way I face everything and rise and they create a personal covenant. I have a personal covenant of care that I've taken upon myself as a minister, and that covenant of care is an act of love for this community. It is rooted in my capacity to be able to look at what is happening all around me and know that it is God's perfection and know that I can change it. My approach to this change is met with perfect equity in the infinite mind. As the consciousness of love is proliferated from me, this energy is matched by others and something new unfolds. Because one alone in consciousness creates a complete majority. That is how I know that as I express and experience love in my own unique fashion, it need not be met with agreement by anyone, but that energy of love transcends the limitations that we carry in our hearts. And as people accept the love, something new unfolds. That something new, what I know, is that something new tips the scales of experience. As long as we remain rooted in the fear, the feeling of fear around what this world means and separate ourselves from those things, that is ultimately, well, here's what we're doing. We're actually dragging past paradigms into the present. But as long as we remain in that fear, we will never collectively tip the scales. The circumstances will not change. So I have a call to each and every one of us to step forth as love, as light, as life, more profoundly now than ever before, and let that be the point of view from which we move forth. The circumstances of the world are not separate from God. If they were, then God would not be infinite. There can be no thing separate from the infinite, because if there were, then both things would be finite. finite. So what is this covenant of care? This covenant of care is this. I am led by love to serve this community. That love in my heart, yes, it has created some unpopular choices. If I've not been clear before, I choose here and now to be clear. And clarity, I find, flows forth as I ask a few key questions for guidance. These questions allow me to make decisions. And so I ask these questions and make decisions 
these questions are, am I acting in support of the well-being, safety, and health of this community? Am I treating everyone with respect from a consciousness of integrity and wholeness? Do I recognize God in everyone? If I answer yes to these questions, and I choose to answer yes to these questions, then I ask myself this question. What is the most loving choice I can make in service to this community? Some of the value in these questions is they necessitate answers beyond my own personal needs, although they are wrapped up with my own personal needs. My expression of love needn't look like what others expect, and yours needn't look like what others expect and it needn't look like what I expect. I rise in service right here and right now to the greater good. My purpose, my purpose in all of this is to value the community, respect the individual, and honor the divinity of all creation. I choose to listen, observe, value, and evolve. I choose to listen, observe, value, and evolve as a construct of the way I live my life. That's an acronym I can follow. Listen, observe, value, evolve, love. And that is my covenant of care. Namaste. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.